You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And welcome into Purple Access. It is Judd Zolgad. It is Declan Goff, as always. And, of course, we rotate um, our co-hosts every week. Some weeks it's Chip Scoggins of the Star Tribune. And other times it is our good friend Tyler Fornis. Vikingswire.com is is where you can find his work and his podcast. Absolutely outstanding stuff. And uh, some Sports Dad columns there as well. Vikingswire.com. This episode of Purple Access also, before we start, is brought to you by the new Minnesota Lottery Vikings Scratch Game, which is the official scratch game, of course, of the Vikings. You can win up to $100,000 or second chance prizes. This includes season tickets or an away game trip. That's officially exciting. The Minnesota Lottery, you just say, I am in. Must be 18 or older to play. So the lottery, when it comes to the Vikings, is a good thing, Tyler Fornis. When it comes to the Vikings' 0-2 start, there is a panic from some. There is a calm from from other people, including the team, which is trying to say that things could be fine. Obviously, though, this is, uh, as the kids like to say, suboptimal. So where do you stand in a team that is 0-2 after losses to the Buccaneers and to Philadelphia, seven turnovers in two games, and the reality is this. If this team cleaned up those mistakes, it very easily could be 2-0. Yeah, even if you fumble two less times, the Vikings have seven total fumbles so far this season. One of them was the Alexander Madison fumble last night that ended up being called back because of penalty. And they had two against the Bucs, four against the Eagles. That's brutal. If you just take two of those away, one in each game, it's probably a 2-0 start. And that's the most frustrating. But the way I look at this team, like Kirk Cousins is is outside of like, I'd say three plays, the two strip sacks and the interception has been playing really, really good football. And it's honestly going to be overshadowed. I heard Colin Coward out, outright say that Kirk Cousins played bad in another primetime game. I'm sorry. Did you watch the game last night? None of that had to do with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, he could have had a better internal clock on the strip sack, but he was throwing darts. He was trusting his receivers. And I'm excited to get my hands on the all 22 so I can kind of watch to see how this all pieces together. But it's it's all about the running game. And the, one of the biggest weak points for this Vikings team was the trenches. And I, I talked about how I was a little worried about the defensive line, but scheme could kind of help that along. Well, Brian Flores, it looked like he was prioritizing not getting beat in coverage, which outside of two Devonta Smith plays, they averaged like 2.3 or four yards per pass. Like it wasn't very good. And that's, that's a net positive. The Vikings pass defense was excellent once again, but they got gashed in the running game. And how do you adjust for that? Do you try and go get a defensive lineman in the trade market or in free agency? Do you have to completely shift what you're trying to do in the front seven? So you, you can end up doing 
uh, or do you have to, sorry, do you have to sacrifice and coverage help the front seven? There's a lot of nuance to this. And early on in that game, the Eagles were running a basic college RPO offense that you see teams like Baylor TCU run constantly. And you know what? A Caleb Evans was crashing those screens. They were getting nothing. Anything with yards after the catch was being swallowed up immediately. Then they're like, all right, what if we just run right at him? Well, then it worked. And eventually, like, they never got more than, like, 10, 12 yards in a rush. But you get six yards after six yards after six yards after six yards. Any human being is just going to start to mentally get worn out and worn out and worn out. And that's it's an old school style of football, but it's going to be coming back because these linebackers are so small and they're meant to just cover all this space. But you can out physical them and the Vikings got out physical. I have a lot of questions about for Brian Flores about why Brian Osimo is not playing. Ivan Pace Jr. is a massive hit as UDFA. You can't ask for anything more in a general construct, having a UDFA out snapped your second round pick from last year, who is a projected starter 107 to 16 is a problem. It's a problem. And it, it has absolutely nothing to do with Ivan pace. It's the construct of what the argument is. Well, why is Asamoah not playing Judd that like, he's not on the injury reports. He seems to be practicing. What's the deal. He looked I, really good at the end of last year. I think the time he missed in training camp bug them. I, I also, so I would take your point right there and flip it as well, which is this. How many snaps can you play Jordan Hicks? Because that's my question. Jordan Hicks is not a young man. Jordan Hicks took a pay cut to come back, and Jordan Hicks in the mm-hmm. first two games doesn't leave the field. And I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying yeah. the ask there to me, your your point about wearing down, which, by the way, the mm-hmm. offense gave, the defense no help because they kept turning the damn ball over in the first half, but your points spot on. So I guess my question is, if you're going to go, um, if you're going to bring Asamoah in, are you really, you know, why not bring him in for Hicks at times? Like, what did he do? How, how ticked off are, are you? How far behind do you feel he got? There's a lot of questions there, but I'm with you as far as I think you need to go find a big fat guy to play in the middle of that, that line and at least present the opportunity mm-hmm. to stop the run because, you know, death by paper cuts of six yards is almost worse than a big run because it just gasses your entire defense. At the same time, though, uh, I'll, I'll counter with two things. One, wasn't Kyrus Tonga supposed to be that guy? Well, I thought he played very well last year, 345 pounds, a true nose tackle that you can play as a zero technique and he can, he can man both a gaps. Like that's what you need in this defense. And I thought the Vikings had it. And all of a sudden he's playing like nine snaps. Like where's the disconnect there. And the, the second thing I'll say is that I'd rather just die by paper cuts. I like the, eventually we talk about regression and the national media is going to drive me absolutely nuts because all they're going to be like, Oh, the Vikings are regressing. But you're, you're not contextualizing what we're seeing. You're not contextualizing what the regression is. The regression is the Vikings are making dumb, dumb mistakes. They are fumbling the ball. They're turning it over at a massive rate. They're not playing bad football. The Vikings offense just averaged 6.44 yards per play against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's pretty good. Yeah, you, your highest pressure rate was David Questenberry, a third string tackle. Uh, who allowed three pressures in his 19 snaps. Like Ed Ingram only allowed three pressures in his 58 snaps, 48 dropbacks. 
that's not bad. Like you're looking at a team that held up relatively well, considering the unit that they were facing. We thought it was all doom and gloom and they were just going to get absolutely destroyed. We had no Christian Derrissaw and Udo was capable considering he was a backup. Like you're looking at all these things and the Vikings are just giving the game away. They're giving it away. Mm -hmm. And the, the analysis surrounding this team is going to drive me absolutely up a wall because there's going to be no context surrounding it. It's, it's just so frustrating on so many levels. And I want answers on a lot of different things, especially surrounding the defensive line. I want answers surrounding like, uh, is KJ Osborne going to get benched now? He did not look very good. He had multiple drops. Uh, He was not gaining as much separation. I mean, outside of that touchdown, because that, that was just a beautifully drawn play by O'Connell. You have Jefferson and Osborne crossing each other in man match. So it's, it's man coverage, but you're playing in a little zone where it's not like you just sit back and you drop and you stand in one spot. No, you are covering a guy until he gets to a certain benchmark and then you pass him off to the next guy. Well, everybody just picked Jefferson and Osborne had 20 yards of free space. So uh, outside of that, like he wasn't very good. And Addison looks like he's legit. Like it's, I'm kind of just snowballing as a train wreck here just because it's so frustrating every element of this team. But I want answers on a lot of different fronts, mainly Asamoah, and then what we're going to be doing on this defensive line. Forno, how much of this 0-2 start in like a in like a pie chart, which we love to do here on Purple Daily, how much of it is just bad luck? And bad luck, I mean fumbles. I mean these incredibly fluky turnovers. And how much is it just a bad football team or just normal football things, I guess? How much of this bad luck is really weighing on this 0-2 start for the Vikings? Now that's a really good question. Put me on the spot with a pie chart. I, I like <laughs> this, Declan. We, we can do more of this. So if I were to take a look at who I would blame, I would probably put 80% of it on undisciplined football. Undisciplined football, <laughs> meaning turnovers, timely penalties, that Jay Ward penalty, um, which I blame on Josh Metellus more than Jay Ward because Metellus is the veteran. He was farther inside or farther in the neutral zone than Ward was. Ward was just on the outside, so it's a little easier for the line judge to be able to see. Like That costs four points. All these turnovers, points. The Jefferson one, don't even get me started. I will yell about that. how dumb that rule is. I'll never forget this, Judd. I think it was 2003 or 2002, maybe 2001. Culpepper was playing the Panthers. Now, I think it was Steve Smith's first game. So it was 2003 and he's running. Uh, um, he breaks the pocket and starts running towards the corner of the end zone. He stumbles on the Astrodome turf and his knee hits the football and it goes through the back of the end zone. And I'm thinking to myself as like a 13 year old kid, I'm like, all right, Vikings get the ball back. Cause you can't advance a fumble. That's that makes sense. You oh, yeah. are not allowed to advance fumble. Nope. Turnover. Doesn't make any damn sense. And, Look, Jefferson is at fault because he lost control of the ball. He fumbled it, but the rule is absolutely absurd and it needs to be changed. It's need to be changed for decades. And it's about time that they do something now. And you know what? If it happened to the Eagles, I'd say the same thing because the Vikings shouldn't be able to benefit off that either. If you can't advance a fumble, you shouldn't lose it either. So let's talk about um, the things that we've seen that 
are concerning that I don't know that, that you can fix because, because you can, I mean, the fumbles are inexcusable, but you can fix those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about the lines. Let's talk about, and, and let's talk about the run game on both sides. Cause that's the one thing that is now on, on tape. I mean, Philadelphia yeah. with their run game, put that on tape. And, and just like in 2006, when the Vikings under Tomlin had a great run defense, but couldn't stop the pass. Patriots came in here Halloween night, exposed mm-hmm. them, and everybody else said, okay, that's the key to beat a team that I think was 4-2 and two at the time and missed the playoffs. Um, both sides of the ball, though, the inability to run the, the ball, and we can blame Madison. I think a lot of people are just be, being like, well, he's not Cook. I mean, see? But to me, that's it's a greater problem. Like, you can't, you can't even come close to establishing a run, and if you can't establish a run, you are going to have quick possessions, which is going to put your defense back out on the field. And then to your point mm-hmm. as well, um, with how Flores is choosing things, it's almost like he knows that they'll get beaten so badly in the pass game if they do focus on the opposing team's run that they're choosing to get beat in the run game. I, I have very big concerns about what the Eagles put on film that go far beyond dumb a dumb penalty or four turnovers. I guess I want to know how are you going to fix things that basically goes back to off-season decisions made by Adolfo Mensa and the personnel staff of who to have on this team. The defensive line needs work. It needs assets and it's not just at edge rusher. It's you need big boys. Uh Jaqual and Roy probably could have made a difference, but he ended up being a an inactive and right. it stinks that Darisaw got re-injured that ankle between the inactive list and the beginning of the game because you could have really used Roy in that spot because he is specialty. It's kind of like what Dalvin Tomlinson was. That was his comp from Lance Zerline of NFL.com coming out of college. Stop the run. I think Brian Flores is smart enough, and we've seen history of this, where he can adjust. It's not going to be something where you're going to see these looks and the Vikings just get gashed like this every single week. It'll probably happen once, maybe two more times throughout the season. He's going to adapt. He's going to adjust. And these guys on the back end are going to be, are going to gain more and more trust because of how well they're playing. There's still some communication issues that deep touchdown to Devonta Smith. I, on the surface, I don't think that's on a Caleb Evans. I actually think it's on Harrison Smith based on what, uh, what I saw the coverage was. And you saw Evans, like what in the world is this? I need to see the all 22 to confirm it. But he played well and was busting up screens. Murphy was consistent. They were great in coverage. And if you play great with help, then you can start taking some of that help away because your confidence level rises. Now you can focus more on the running game. So I think there's going to be adjustments there. On the other side of the ball with the running game, I blame Kevin O'Connell. You know what you have with these offensive linemen. And these offensive linemen are outside of Ed Ingram. They are designed for outside zone. Brian O'Neill, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, or in this case, Austin Sloman. They're designed to be able to climb to the second level and take guys out so you can do a one cut back. That's what they're here for. You're asking them to do a little bit more duo and like mid zone and stuff like mid zone is not outside zone. It's a little different. And he's also not being patient enough with it. I don't think Madison is good enough to be a starting running back. He's an incredibly nice guy. Interviewed him at a cornhole tournament of all things. He is a good awesome guy. person. I like him too. But at the end of the day, being an awesome person does not always translate to being good on the football field. 
He is just not a starting caliber running back. You can have a starting caliber running back and not pay them a bunch of money. It was still the right move to get rid of Dalvin Cook. But when you have O'Connell, who's not being patient enough to even try to establish a running game, 17 against the Buccaneers, nine rushes right. against the Eagles. That, you're not even trying at Where's that Chandler? point. Yeah, Chandler, one carry, zero yards. I did have a uh, prize picks. I was this close to 500 bucks last night, Judd. 500 bucks. We were recording this Friday morning, and I needed a Kirk interception. It didn't go my way. <laughs> I can I can live with that, but Chandler, I think you just got to see what you have in him. And like you have to at least try to establish a running game. And guess what? The two of the top 10 most efficient rushing attacks in a single game in the, like the last 25 years were the Eagles last night and the chargers in week one against the dolphins. So you better be ready. The Austin mm-hmm. Eckler is probably not going to play because he's hurt. Joshua Kelly's a very talented running back. They can, they'll be here to try and gash us. And if you want to give your defense a little bit of a breather, you have to at least try and establish a running game. And that's on O'Connell right now. At this point, Tyler, do you look to add a running back? I mean, there's still some free agents obviously out there. I wouldn't swing a trade for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that would just be pointless to me, but of the free agents out there, is it worth adding to this group or would you rather just keep it in house and maybe Madison starts to figure things out or maybe it's Ty Chandler that ends up getting a, a bulk of these carries? Let me uh, forward this question to you before I answer Declan. Do you think a running back fixes this running game? Mm, no, not really. It, that's where I'm at too. I don't think a running back fixes this running game because it's about it's schematic. It's about Kevin O'Connell trying to establish the run. But why haven't they run a single jet sweep? Why haven't they tried some counter action? Why haven't they done anything other than super basic run concepts? He's not being creative, and I'm I am very surprised by that. That that to me, if you want to establish a running game, get gimmicky. Yeah, get players thinking. Yep. Oh, like and offensive coordinators do this all the time. You have setup plays, and when I play in CWA fourteen, all of a sudden I'll get oh setup play for play action read. And all of a sudden, like I'll be able to throw a comeback and nobody's within 10 yards of him because you set the defense up by running plays beforehand. Guess what? If you want to run like play action, split zone, run split zone, like six times. And then all of a sudden, Justin Jefferson fakes a block and he gets five yards of separation. Like you can do those kinds of things. And he's, I, the effort's not there and it's very frustrating. And there's so many little nuances to it you have to at least try to establish the run get gimmicky run Jordan Addison on jet sweeps do jet sweep action consistently to keep the linebackers like flat footed for just a split second because that can make a difference between five yards and 50 I agree completely and off your point what I don't get is you've got these you know skill position wise I, I don't care what position they play you've got these incredible athletes right Addison and Jefferson and I mean they're scary they're scary they they can they can get you in a lot of different ways and we've seen them especially Justin be used in training camp practices in what looks like mm-hmm. creative packages and then we don't see those and I thought in year two uh being more comfortable with calling plays first of all but then also 
you know, having more of the personnel he wants. Um, Josh Oliver was signed. TJ Hawkinson now here for an entire year. I thought we would begin to really see some of that creativity start to flow from O'Connell. And instead, we haven't seen a damn thing like that. And I guess I'm just very confused because it feels like his contemporaries are doing those sorts of things all the time. McVeigh, McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, right? Like there's a lot of people in his age group who he knows who get very creative, especially with guys who are damn near positionless. And Kevin's not doing that. And I guess I'm a little bit confused as to what he's afraid of. Last year, I thought it was a bit conservative, but he also didn't have his team. Um, Now -hmm. he's got his personnel and he's still sort of shying away from keeping teams off balance. That's a great question. What's the deal? Where is the creativity? Now, some of these passing concepts are fun. The deep pass to uh, Jordan Addison, uh, Luke Brown broke it down real nice. It's a quarters beater. And a lot of quarters beaters that you see are pin concepts. So you have a post on one side and an in on the other. And then what? And then that you're trying to put that safety in conflict. And he tries to crash down. A second he crashes down, you have single coverage. And the post is going to have leverage because at quarters, your, your turn with your hips facing the ball and you can just easily turn on that. And then he's got to flip and run on field. Well, this you had Justin Jefferson run a little like bubble screen. And then you had two seam routes. One of them like going like a fade, one of them kind of slanting over the middle. And that occupies that safety Addison touchdown. Those kind of things are creative. It's great. Where's that creativity with the run game? Where is that to try and establish anything? Why, why aren't we, this feels like a drop back offense and I'll give Kirk cousins credit. It hasn't worked in the past. It's working really well. Now he's got that six touchdown passes, one interception. He's thrown for almost 800 yards, but the Vikings are Owen two because there's no establishment of a run game. We're not able to stop the run and there's no creativity or even effort. It feels like in trying to establish a running game. I, I don't know enough about what Brian Flores is trying to do as of this second to try and stop it and how he made those adjustments. Sometimes they just don't work and you're just getting obliterated. It happens and we'll learn from it and move on. But O'Connell's got to figure it out. Forno, what do you make here? Jordan Addison now a couple good games. Um, it kind of, I, I brought this up to Mackie and Judd earlier this weekend on purple daily that it feels a little reminiscent of when BC Johnson was getting early reps over Justin Jefferson, his rookie year. And Addison's starting to flash a little bit. Obviously, I don't think Addison's on the level of, of J.J., but still clearly mm-hmm. a better wide receiver than than K.J. What do you make of, of Jordan Addison kind of now being buried, and should he now be just getting a lot more targets with K.J. Osborne kind of having a disastrous start, I would say, to the season? So I'll answer this in multifaceted ways. The biggest thing with Jefferson was, and it's been spoken about, he didn't know all the routes to like week eight. And that was one of the reasons why he didn't get a lot of playing time early. And then BC Johnson, he had been with the organization for a long time and he had worked really hard to get to that point. So you give the incumbent the job, but that doesn't mean you get to keep it. And I think we're in a very similar thing with KJ Osborne. I think Osborne's a better player than BC Johnson ever was. But when you look at what Osborne is, he was drafted only as a kick returner and earned his way to becoming a starting wide receiver in the NFL. Deserves a lot of props for that. Really impressive. But you can't have performances like last night where you have multiple drops 
in key situations. I think Addison is just a, a, a better player. We knew he was a better player. Yep. But he's also playing like one at the beginning of his rookie year. And I think you're going to have to make that switch sooner rather than later. But that work ethic, how he's established himself in that locker room with the coaching staff, that makes a difference. And that may keep him in this job a little longer than we might think. But Addison getting 69% of the snaps is not a mistake. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Bad news, uh, no, no question that the Vikings lost, but you know what, mm-hmm. guys? I've got some good news. I've got some good news because there's one way where if you do lose, it's a positive, and that's if you l- lose weight, and that's what you can do thanks to my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers who can help you take off the weight like they did with me a couple of years back. That's right, 40 pounds down, feeling great, and guess what? They're going to help you not only drop the weight, but keep that weight off. Three consecutive years, they have been uh, named the best weight loss program in the state. That's right, in the entire state. And right now, they have a special offer, which is three months free. So you join, you're going to get three months free. Imagine that, free weight loss, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com, L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. All right, Forno, um, so what is your confidence that this team can fix not only the you know dumb mental mistakes the dumb mistakes but also that they can fix things in the next 10 days to your point where when the chargers come to town and there's no question they're going to go off of the film that they see from the vikings eagles game that we don't see a repeat especially on in the ground game on both sides what's your confidence that the vikings can can um, fix what ails them right now. On a scale of one to 10, I put it about a six and a half. So I have faith in the coaching staff. I don't necessarily have faith that they have the proper personnel to be able to execute everything that they want to fix. And that that's a big issue. This is a competitive rebuild and they're trying to win while retooling this entire unit. And the defensive line is just not there. And this is obviously only year two with a, defensive line that's meant for a three, four, but you need that two gapping nose tackle. You need to have penetrators. Like uh, just look at how the Steelers have been successful for years. When they made their last Super Bowl, you had uh, guys like, like Casey Hampton, who was a first round pick nose tackle, but he okay. played for over a decade with him. He was great. Now you have cam Hayward who unfortunately is out for eight weeks, but uh, a fantastic five technique who can do a little bit of everything, rush the passer, stop the run, you don't have those guys. Harrison Phillips is a fine football player. But what's special about him? What is his outstanding trait other than just being a fantastic human being, which by all accounts he is? That yeah. there just isn't one. Yeah. And Dean Lowry, a replacement level defensive end. Great rotational guy. But he's your starter. Jonathan Bullard's the same thing. Kyrus Tonga, maybe he can be your nose, but you don't trust him right now to do that. Jaqual and Roy. High upside pick because he was a projected first rounder going into 2022 and then did not perform well, but nobody at LSU performed well last year. It was, it was a really weird season. It, 
they're not going to be able to fix a lot of this this year, but you have salary cap space next year and you got to try and attack the defensive line and get dudes. Last thing for me, Forno, they have 10 days here, a little less, I guess. Uh, they have a week off before the Chargers game essentially here. Do you think the Vikings do bounce back and get their first win of the season against the Chargers at home? I don't know. And it's frustrating because this is a very good Chargers team. They just met a buzzsaw in the Miami Dolphins. Tua looked fantastic. And yeah. they lost the shootout. But that yeah. offense is figuring out how to run the football. They have much more determined passing concepts with Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. And they're not just running stick routes anymore. This isn't going to be the team we saw a couple years ago. And I'm genuinely worried that Justin Herbert will carve us up and they'll be able to run the ball right at us. Right. I'm also worried that the Vikings just might not be able to continue. Like As much as we talk about the fumbles being unsustainable, how sustainable is this passing offense? Are they going to have a dud? You've got to have a run game. You've got to have a run game, dude. You cannot survive with just this. Yeah, this isn't uh, Texas Tech where you can run the air raid and win eight games a year. Right. This is the National Football League where you have to be able to spell your defense. How is Kevin O'Connell going to make those adjustments? You know, it, if I were him, and I'm not, but I would consider having, like, uh, the whole Vikings team, everybody sits in, the, in their own meeting rooms, their own individual meeting rooms, and they watch the the game live. And they talk about it, and they try and figure out what these guys are doing because they're going to spend the next couple of days doing self-scouting, watching back the film, figuring out what worked and what didn't. But you you have to figure something out. And if you don't beat the Chargers, I'm not saying it's over. It's over. It 0-3 it, with what the schedule is shaped up to be, Right. It's it's not looking good at all. What at Carolina then, Kansas City at home, San Francisco. I mean, what's San Francisco's run game gonna do to your defense unless you fix this thing? And to your point, I don't know how that that you can. And look, you can call the first two defeats bad luck, or you can say, mm-hmm. well, you know, the the prob the probability of fumbling seven times or having seven turnovers in two games is low. But the reality is this, the first thing that you have to fix is your discipline. Like before you fix anything else, you have to play smart football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just, I mean, O'Connell, look, I think he is, from what I've seen, I think he is a good coach. Like I think he's good at commanding a room, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, he came here as the anti-Zim. And my concern is, you know, Year one of being a different coach, I think players are like, this is great, love you, you you know, you create a culture, blah, blah, blah. But year two, guys start to push, and guys start to get undisciplined, and guys might say, I think I can get away with this or that. And that stuff's got to be roped right back in. So, like, before they fix anything of the personnel thing, they have to play smart football, and they have to fix what I don't consider to be bad luck. I think it's just stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. To your point, Tyler, if you had – Four turnovers in two games, which, by the way, is a lot in my opinion. But if you had that, you'd be like, okay, you can fix that. But seven? Seven turnovers? I mean, that's bordering on ridiculous. That's like a bad high school team. So I think you got to, if you're O'Connell, you got to spend the next 10 days getting things right with your team and saying, boys, Mm. I'm a good guy. I ain't that good a guy. You know, we're going to get this right. And we're going to do, and, and if, if you think that I can't be an a-hole, you're wrong about that. You know, I mean, there's got to be something in the middle here. It can't be all, 
you know, hey, everybody, get along. It's fantastic. At some point in time, your culture, as PJ Flex says, balls the program. Yep. So Absolutely. They, they got to figure something out. And I'm at a loss because there's only so much you can do with the personnel. And outside of the personnel, Judd, is Kevin O'Connell going to be willing to actually try to establish the run when it's not working and try to get creative with it? Our answer right now is no. Yeah, that's a problem. The nice I'm part is we have 15 games for him to fix it yep. and change our change our opinions. But through two, it he doesn't even want to try, and that's inherently frustrating and worrisome. Awesome stuff, man. Declan, uh, wrap th- things up and plug your draft show as well with Mr. Fornis here. Yeah. Purple Daily on Draft with Tyler Fornis, Miles Gore, and myself uh, will be live on Monday, so we'll have plenty to talk about after an 0-2 start. Plenty of college football takeaways, so be on the lookout for that, plus uh, a live event line episode, pull more post-mortem, obviously from the loss against Philadelphia Eagles, so go check that on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. We just want to see the Vikings win a Super Bowl before we die.